0: All right, let's get started. Hey, Steve, how are you, buddy? I'm
1: doing awesome. Yourself?
0: I'm doing great. And everybody out there listening, thanks for joining in. Uh, We we just had a great pre-conversation with Kelly. Kelly, welcome to the podcast.
2: Glad to be here.
0: Kelly is in Switzerland, and she grew up in Taiwan, and it's an incredible story. Steve and I... uh, we're introduced to Kelly through our friend, uh, Shave Minds, and uh, in the back behind uh, Kelly, because we're on video over here, but it's the Christian CEO University is on her wall back there, and you guys can also uh, check out the Christian CEO podcast that Kelly runs. But here's a little background. We're going to dig into some really great, I think, aspects of our journey, especially with some of the things, not only that Kelly's accomplished, but that you've gone through, Kelly. So just a little background for everybody. You're somebody that's known around the world for what you do in digital sales and in marketing strategy, uh certified business coach. And I know you've actually worked with some of my friends, some very high-level people. Uh, you do mentoring to emerging entrepreneurs. You're a keynote speaker. You have the Christian CEO podcast. You're a bestseller on your book on Amazon. Uh, it's a book called A Little Girl Called Grace and you're also the founder of the Christian CEO University. And here's what I'd like to do, just so people can get to know you, because I know you've accomplished some incredible things on the executive side, but, you know, you really started from a very kind of humble place, and there was some incredible odds, really, a lot of people might think they're insurmountable in front of you, when you were growing up. And, You survived sexual abuse. You had people tell you that you can't do this. You were told that, uh, you know, to stay in your place. When you finally get to an executive, I love this story. I can't wait to hear the rest of it. But you get to an executive level and you find that there's absolutely no women's bathrooms on the executive floor because that was not the culture. So you have been breaking barriers your whole life. So what I'd like to do, Kelly, is turn it over to you and kind of have you walk us through your journey from growing up as a little girl in Taiwan to what led you to what you're doing now.
2: Well, you know, I was born and um, raised at a time and a place where baby girls were not valued much. We were just seen as a future baby production machines. Hmm. and No need to invest as much, especially education. And not to mention that I was just a daughter of a mistress. So there are uh, the time, a place like, there's a period of my time was quite dark. I would say over one and a half decades of my life, I'll never know what gonna happen to me in the night because of my mother and her drunk boyfriends. While she tried very hard as a single mother, to raise me and my brother up but she just didn't know better and i often you know look out the window and saw other uh, quote to normal families where there's a father there's a mother and they brought their kids just to you know the uh, local grocery store just simply maybe uh bought them a lollipop and I would look at them and thinking, why my life is so different? Is that their uh, opportunity for me mm-hmm. also can have that kind of life?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So I figured that education probably is my only way to escape. And back then, the education system in Taiwan is after the nine years obligation education that you know, uh, you have to enter a national exam to compete with the whole country to try to the girls try to go to the top three girls school, the senior high and the boys as same to top three boys, in senior high school, because only those people, if they go to the top three schools, you have opportunity to go further to go to university. And we are talking about the ratio between probably so 1 to 3,830.
0: So, oh, so only 1 out of 3,830 students get into one of these high schools?
2: Yeah. Wow. It, go to the top three school, what I meant. Yeah,
0: top three, okay.
2: Right. Then after the three three years in the senior high, then you have to then if you want to go further, you want to go to university, then you have to again go to the national exam again. So I managed to get to the top second girl school, high high school, and then afterwards I got into the university. When I got into the university, because it is, uh, you, know, you had to pay off tuition, it wasn't cheap. And my birth father who abandoned us since I was age of five and suddenly appear because I was the only one child among all his mysteries that I was able to get into university. So mm-hmm. he showed up, he wanted to claim his glory and then at the same time, he promised that he would pay for my tuition. So my mother was, you know, over the moon. And a couple of days, I would you know, about one month ahead of the school starts, I went to the administration office and, you know, to get some paper done. And then, but then the secretary told me, say, you know, your tuition wasn't paid. I said, oh, maybe it's a mistake because my father did say that, you know, he paid. Well, he didn't. Now, you know, I bake that secretary and I have only one month to come out of money and to pay for tuition. And so I look for a job, but who will hire, you know, a teenager girl and only can work for that two months of summer vacation? You know, And so the only kind of jobs I could find is a sales commission based. So that's where my sales training started. All the way from whatever I can find, the newspaper uh, subscription, the physical newspaper, uh, cassette tape. And for mm-hmm. those of you who don't know what's a cassette tape, you are not qualified to listen to this podcast because that means you're too young. And, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, kidding aside, cassette tape basically is an earlier generation than the CD, right? So <laughs> uh, cassette tape and vacuum cleaners and all different kind of things, door-to-door sales, just to make enough money to pay the next term of Tuition And that pretty much is the story of the four years that each summer and winter vacation I have been doing. And because I try to escape the chaotic situation at home, I walk into the wrong marriage. I uh, married to my uh, ex-husband. And in the process of that, that he made sure that he I will remember rest of my life in the painful situation and so he made the divorce day same day as our got married that day the same date that moment i already graduated i started work for uh, the first five-star hotel in taiwan and uh, a colleague brought me to a church and that moment in Taiwan, we only had 2% of population were Christians. So if you want to become a Christian, you almost just as a, like an alien. I remember the moment I decided I wanted to be, get baptized, I was disowned and kicked out by my mother. Because in the Chinese culture, you know, my mom then, she worshiped all different kind of idols. Especially when it come to the, you know, we have a wood board altar at home and it's, you have to worship your ancestor every single day with the, uh, you know, the different, the food, the water and the the, the different uh, ceremonies. And when the moment I told her, I no longer can do that. So she was really, wow. really angry.
0: That's a big decision, knowing that you're making a decision to follow Jesus. I'm sure you knew that this could happen with your family, and then it did happen. What were you thinking as you went through that?
2: Well, I think that moment, I was going through actually a quite difficult time in all sides. One is I just got divorced not long. So, you know, the culture there, also environment there is that you're not married, you stay with your family, your parents. You know, Mm. so I moved back after I got divorced, I moved back with her. But then she was, unfortunately, she was addicted to gambling. So they are just, and then also the alcohol. And so it just, there was no, not a day quiet at home. Mm. And so I never found peace for years, helping her to worship all different kinds of uh, gods. And so the moment when I found peace, with Christ, and I made that decision. That was a behind the scenes story, and obviously, all detailed stories in the book. It's God told me that He want me to move out. And I thought, well, that's not possible because, you know, uh, in Asia, then, you know, I mean, now also, the real estate is very, very expensive. I think, John, you live in Japan for a while, so you probably. Mm-hmm. You you could understand the situation.
0: When I lived there 30 years ago, I think the government was paying for our small one-bedroom apartment $2,800 a month. Now, that was 30 years ago in Tokyo area. Now, I don't even know what that is today, but that's just stupid money.
2: Right. Yeah, and, and I'm
0: sure it's gotten more expensive.
2: Yeah. Now, Taiwan wasn't that expensive than Japan, but you guys get a context of that. You know, yeah. I think in U.S., you know, we enjoy much bigger space and at a much lower price, generally speaking. But God, obviously, when he said he want to do, then he provides, right? He mm-hmm. brought me to the new job and then the, uh, was totally just able enable me to move out to a new place. Without, I, I did not know that down the road, three months down the road, That's when my mom disappeared because run for the gambling debt. So it's just a lot of things happening in between. And uh, it just follow. you know, if you ask me, would I have known all those things? No, I didn't. But it's just the moment when just kind of follow God step by step, moment by moment and to see God's goodness in that process. Then afterwards, when I become one of the youngest corporate executive and quote-unquote worst female corporate executive, oftentimes I-
0: Did went, you say quote-unquote worst?
2: Yeah, I mean- What do you mean by that? Well, the thing is, it just a lot of uh, stories is like they did not expect women appear in that room.
0: So how did you get into the room? I'm sure there's a lot of people listening right now. They're like, okay, Kelly just went from following Jesus to like go find her own place to live. And now you're an executive. So you here, help. Uh, what was that part?
2: Okay. So obviously that would be nice to happen overnight, <laughs> right?
0: Oh, it didn't happen overnight? <laughs> no, yeah, I'm some
2: sorry. Work? All right. No, I'm sorry. It's not a new story. Yeah. Never I open up <laughs> Overnight. So my very first full-time corporate job was the five-star Hotel Green Hyatt just opened. Mm-hmm. And then I was just a telephone operator. And guess what? The standard is so high. Basically, all my fellow colleagues, we all graduated from university. We all can manage three languages. And that was a standard. And you also cannot, uh, you had to also look presentable. Let's just say it that way. Because they want to, it's the first five star hotel in Taiwan, so they want every aspect presentable. And so, how I got them from there to climb the ladder is well, if we're gonna do one sentence short, it's I was willing to do, people not willing to do. So, what I mean is, for example, in the telephone room, we have 25 operators we have three team leaders i think within six months i was promoted to team leaders so you have three shifts you have morning afternoon and overnight shifts so overnight shifts uh those days again if you are too young you probably don't understand what i'm about to say (laughs) those days we don't have cell phone okay and we only have you know the landline, and so all the hotel guests 1,000 rooms of them that they need to make overseas call. They need to call operator room to make the overseas call. So, you know, it's just a a lot of uh, labors in between involved. Not like today, it's totally different story, right? And also, in the morning, between 6 to 7 o'clock is the busiest time in the operator room because the morning call, mm-hmm. the people, food, hey, please call me up 6 o'clock. They wake me up for they're going to go to the flight, right? So we have all those. So imagine if we have 80% of the occupancy, that means 800 rooms. Now, in general speaking, 80% of that 800 rooms, they all want to wake up between 6 to 7 o'clock in the morning. So how many calls? that each operator have to make to get that mission accomplished every single day. Now, of course, some of them are group and group is by machine, the PBX system to set it up. So when I say I was willing to do what the ladies, a lot of ladies are not willing to do is, I was willing to do the three months shifts or overnight and learning from inside out the PBX system. So that was one day when uh, the PBX system went down. The system went down meaning there's no group phone call will go out, then guests will miss their flight. That also mean the receptionists they cannot check out the guest because there's no receipt, no statement print out. So it's a whole lot of things. And then from there, I got into a sales department and then gradually go from there, become corporate.
1: So Kelly, where did this work ethic come from? Because you're supposed to go to university, your dad's going to pay, he doesn't come through, you bust your tail and you get it done. You get to this hotel, this five-star hotel, you start at the bottom rung and you just outwork everyone. Where did that inner drive come from? Who instilled that in you?
2: I don't know for sure, but I trust that since God is my creator, I trust that God has put that inside of me. At the time I even wasn't a Christian yet. It's almost like, yes, logically, if I was raised in that situation and all around me told me, you know, as a woman, you don't have much worth. I should just follow the the crowd, right? But somehow I have that kind of incarnation, kind of the, we call about the holy anger, is feel like this is supposed not it. Mm. And I'm sick, tired of that. If people see the women are successful, especially those days, is that she must sleep with some men in order to get that kind of position. You know, and it still is like when I was in sales, the first job sales, we have to show the room, different type of a hotel room to the VIP guest. The showroom is only five minutes per room. The room door always open yet still have a rumor say, Kelly, you slept with so-and-so during those showroom. That kind of rumors. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And from the beginning, from starting when I heard that, I think a lot of ladies today, you probably still can relate, it's just different context, different situation. When I heard that from the very beginning, it's very hurtful. I think I went home, I cried for days. But after that, I just learned that when people make the rumors, that kind of rumors, or any kind of rumor to try to hurt you, actually it's not about us. It's more about which state of mind they are in themselves. Mm. They talk when I pass by, like when I see the, you know, the receptionists, they're giggling. They, I know they are talking about me. I will just walk to them. I will just walk up to them to say, so this time, whom I slept with this time?
0: So you didn't ignore it and walk away and deal with it. When people were gossiping about you and you knew it was wrong, you would go up and say something to them. You didn't just let it
2: rest. From the beginning, I did not know what to do. But after that, I did not like sleep. I just say, okay, that was once I had enough. I guess it's after a while. And also I had a bad day that day. I was just in the, during the briefing time. We have always a different shift and we'll brief. And while briefing, I just say, I just grab out the whiteboard and I, I just say, they just made that clear today. Okay, I say, that's a count kind of time that we can walk into the room. And then we have to show guests all those things, you know. And then they need to ask questions. And then we need to take the clothes off. And then we need to have a sex. And let me see how this works. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, it's just, I say, the kingdom taken by force, right? There are times we cannot back off. There are times we have to mink like sheep, but there are times we have to roar like lions. And for me, that's a lesson I learned through the years.
1: We're going to take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. Are you like me, where you start a book and then bright shiny object syndrome distracts you and you start a new one? Soon after, you got four or five books on your nightstand or unfinished on your Kindle? Well, last year, John and I both subscribed to a book summary service called Blinkist. Blinkist divides the biggest thoughts and ideas of every book into short little blinks. That's what they call them. And you can finish most of those summaries in less than 15 minutes. The app is beautifully designed, and you can listen to the audio versions while reading along or while on the go. When John and I would hang out after his accident, he coached me up, and one of the things that he told me to do was read at least 10 pages of a book in bed before going to sleep. But I've translated that into a Blinkist summary, so on a few of them, like How to Win Friends and Influence People, I've read the blinks, then reread them over a few days to really get those key points in my conscious and subconscious. Try them for a free seven-day trial, and if you use the affiliate link embedded in the summary of this MP3 or at eternalleadership.com slash blink, if you like the service and end up subscribing, you'll be helping to offset the costs associated with producing this show. Beauty of Affiliate Marketing. Again, the link is at eternalleadership.com slash blink, and embedded in the summary of this mp3. Thanks.
0: Yeah, you know, there's something else though I pulled out too. It's interesting, Kelly, my son, who's now 22, who's joined our team, he had a really challenging journey from high school into college, and he wanted to start a coaching program to really help, and he's working on it right now, young men and women, but mostly men, really connect to kind of their values, their passion, know why they're going to college. Uh, I'm sure you were imagining part of your work ethic, right? This life that you wanted to create that was very different from what you grew up in, also to stay connected to their face. So we did a survey of uh, well over a hundred 18 to 25 year olds. And I gotta tell you, and I'm sharing this cause I know we have a lot of listeners that are parents that are my, you know, our age in their forties, fifties, sixties. Every single response, the amount of almost hope, and this is most, this is all American, you know, youth. But people were so afraid of making the wrong decision for a career. They felt like this incredible pressure to, quote, figure it out. They didn't know what the next steps were. And I think there's such a valuable lesson in your story that you talked about is here you are with a college degree. You can speak three languages and you get a job as the operator working in the, you know, the telephone room. And what you did in saying, instead of saying, is this the right place to be? You know, I deserve more. They gave me this job because I'm a woman. You went in there and said, you know what? I'm going to outwork everybody around me. I'm going to serve people. And I'm going to do things that other people are not willing to do. And that's going the extra mile. And then that kept creating opportunities and uh, new experiences for you. And I think it's a really, it's such an important reminder to realize that wherever we're at, if we do our job as if we're doing it for the Lord, you know, not for the recognition or not for, you know, other reasons like that, I truly believe that that is going to be what leads you to maybe, you know, what's next and what's next and what's next. And there might be three or a series of three or four of these jobs that you don't like, but you look back and go, wow. When you became an executive, it's all these little things that actually then prepared you to succeed in that role. You might not have known it at the time, but I wanted to share that because it's really interesting to just see in this entire group of over 100 people that answered, I think we had one answer in that group of somebody that said, man, I know where I'm going, I know what I'm doing, and I'm like all in. Everybody else, there was just like the confusion, almost a hopelessness a fear of making a bad decision. And that, that actually really surprised me, but also said to me, you know what, there's a huge opportunity for this generation that's coming up who are going to be the entrepreneurs of tomorrow and the leaders of tomorrow to just, for our generation, to really equip and to mentor them. And I know you do so much in, in that area. So I wanted to share that.
2: Oh, thank you. I also have two children. One is 20 years old and one is 17 years old. And so I can relay what you just shared. Now, if for uh, those parents that you are listening now or you might want to also make share with your children, here's the thing. I think there is a two sides of a balance here. You know, in one side, a lot of time we blame the I think generation Y, generation uh XYZ, right generation basically the millennium generation say oh they don't know how to work they don't have work ethic they are not like our generation so and so so okay that's one side of the looking things the other side it's like let's make sure uh, we need to prepare them enough we need to uh make sure they don't lack of uh, certain things. And so we cuddle them and then we, we just kind of over-prepare they, like, we are just trying to provide them the things that, especially that we did not have in our generation, right? Now, if I look at how my children, they, the environment, the context, the whole context of the culture, the generation, the, the technology, the thing they are in, right? The both end is not fair to them in one side, right? If they're born the way that, you know, the iPhone is already there. I mean, the mobile phone is already there. the Google is already there, right? So it's different than how we grown up, right? But the other side is us as parents that we become lazy, If we become lazy, I'm not saying all the parents. I'm saying I saw some of the parents that we became lazy, that we just rely on the information out there to educate our own kids rather than take up that responsibility that God has given to us, as the Bible says, that you need to guide your children to the right path so later on they will not uh, go to the wrong way. So I just want to say that first I think it's two generation. For the young generation it's like please do not feel afraid to make mistake. Okay, I'm not saying just go out and waste your life. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying when you come to the career path or uh, you need to what kind of a, a subject you need to choose in your college, university whatever. If you a motive is to become a person, sincerely become a person that you think you can contribute to the society later on, then just make that decision that you always desire to make. Because guess what? Even it's the wrong decision, even that is a mistake. God is much bigger than our mistake. That he mm-hmm. will still use that your right motive based on your right motive to make that mistake and get you prosper. Well, we cannot control what life threw on us, but we can control how we're going to react to it. Look at what happened to Joseph, right? He did not plan the whole thing up and down, up and down, up and downs in those journeys. But the Bible says that each single stop he was in, he prospered. Because whenever he was in, he still were well. The time, the influence, the relationship, he was in. And he still worked well each single position, no matter he was in the prison or he was in somewhere else. And therefore, that was a great preparation for him that he can become the prime minister afterwards. So
0: Yeah, and that's what you did, right? In every one of those situations, I'm thinking of Joseph, right? Whether he was the house servant or in the prison, right? He did all the work with excellence that other people didn't want to do because he knew he was serving his God. And here's the other thing, too, that I think is really foundational here, because I think, and I'm writing a book on this right now, Kelly, but I I think the whole world of leadership and how we've been taught how to lead is really kind of flawed in this sense, that we so focus on the why, the what, and the how, and there's all this pressure for all of us at our age and even younger kids to figure out, hey, what's my vision? What's my why? What am I going to be doing in my life? I got to make a decision for this career track. But the foundational thing that all that is built on is knowing who we are. And we don't take the time to understand who God sees when he looks at us versus what we see when we look in the mirror. And I think there's a big gap between this our true identity, and the one that we see. And I think the bigger that gap is, the more stress and anxiety we have in our life. And I think that's why in America now, with teen suicide has gone up. We have It's gone up 34% in the last 10 years. I think this gap is getting bigger. And I know something that you talk about, working with your leaders and working with CEOs, is something called identity-aligned success. And I'd love for you to share from your perspective how you connected with your identity, and then how you help other people then kind of get that in alignment.
2: That's a big question, John. I will yes. try my best. Between um, you, me,
0: and Steve, we'll see if we can <laughs> dig into that a little bit. That might be uh, episode two for this, but I think yeah. it's such an important topic.
2: Yes, it is. And I'm just thinking Fushi's story should I share, so we'll be more aligned with our audience here. Okay. Last uh, November, I was on the stage at the Chris Docker stage. He's one of the uh, influencers for uh, personal branding space. And that was his annual signature event in London. And so he invited me in July, say, Kelly, I want you to speak on my event. And I was surprised in a way or because all his speakers, general speaking, have a much, much bigger platform than I am. I have. And when I asked him, say, what does he want me to share? And he said, just share one big idea that which work for you, and that would be great. And when he said that in my back of my head, I was thinking, that cannot be too difficult because one idea. Right. Uh, The (laughs) next, I think that was July. We had a coffee and I think the next couple of weeks I couldn't sleep well in the night because I couldn't figure out which idea, which one idea I should share.
0: Which Uh, one was the one?
2: Yeah, exactly. So I have such a hard time. And um, so one morning I was in my uh, devotion time. I stand in front of my fleet chart and I start to blame God. I say, God, listen, uh, this is your thing, right? Because I did not ask for that speaking engagement. And this is kind of in the great state here. So, well, then you open the door, you figure it out. And uh, (laughs) um, that's literally my conversation. And, And then I start to write, because he said one idea. So I write a very big one on my flip chart. And God say, that's it. I say, what do you mean that's it, right? He said, focus on one. He said, then I start to write one solution, one outcome, best client, one client, by the best version of you. So one, 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 one. So in the end, I share the power of one framework, for 390 entrepreneurs from 40 countries. And we got the, we you got, we got only standing ovation that day. Wow. And if they would have no, and that's a non-Christian environment, the people afterwards came to me is not done with, let's talk about number one, your number one client. That's everybody talk about that. Also, your number one solution. Okay, that's a signature program. People talk about that. So you will create a number one outcome. But what's done then is I focus on, talk about Then all that three things got to be provided by the current best version of you. So it's who we are, who we aspire to be important. Because I remember Darren Hardy years ago when I was in one of his programs, the Success Magazine Chief Editor. He said before he got married, he wrote down like 30 something criteria what kind of amazing woman he wanted to marry to. Next morning, he woke up, he looked at this again, and he had epiphany. He said, okay. But what kind of amazing man this woman will be willing to marry too? Mm. In the entrepreneurial journey or parenting journey or for young people, you out there, this journey to pursue success, I want you to now imagine a, a graph in your mind. In the horizontal, there's line. It's called time. In the vertical line, it's called success it will be ideal. We just draw a line like uh, diagonally, go all the way up, meaning as the time go, then our success level just go all the way up. That is a fantasy. The reality is we gonna go through a lot of squeaky line in between, up and down, come, uh, forward and backwards, right? Every time when we dip, in the bottom, which we're going to face many of them. Every time when we dig deep, that moment, we got to make a decision. Then based on what, we will make decision. That moment is not amount of how high is your goal. Let's say for business people, I don't care that moment. You think about, oh, because the goal is a $1 million. Or it's how is the strategy Or oh, okay, I need to use the framework, this or that. Those doesn't work. That moment, you only can base on who you are or who you aspire to be to make a decision. If when in the night I was abused, I need to make a decision, say, am I going to allow this happen again? Or I gonna find this out. I gonna have to find a way. So I will not let this allow this to happen to me again or happen to the girls I can reach out to help, not happen to them again. That moment is not based on anything else but who I want to be is identity based. The other graphic I want you guys to think is a two triangle. The first triangle on the top is goal, your goal. Your bottom, and the bottom is your identity. So that's what most people do. Their identity is the bottom. And they say, let's just pick an easy one. Say, oh, I want to lose 10 kilos or 10 pounds in the next seven days. And then they try to power through, will power through that. But the other triangle is on the top is goal. But I already decided because my identity is a fit person that I want to become fit so I can contribute more. Rather just say, oh, I want to lose that 10 kilos so I can put the beginning in. I mean, that can be a good goal, but that won't sustain you. But I make a 100% decision say, look at me or say, this is not me. This is just a symptom right now. The real me is that fit, that strong, that whatever you're gonna put it there. And based on that, I will then take action. So your identity with the goal is aligned. So it's not fishing. Because that is the only way that you can create a sustainable success, whatever the success for you that is.
1: Without giving any names, give an example of someone that you've coached through that and what's happened in their life since making that paradigm shift.
2: So recently, because I have a beta group to test out this Power One framework, it was originally just a keynote, uh, not keynote, a presentation on Chris stage. And afterwards, obviously, God has a much bigger plan than that. I mean, obviously, you guys can tell he set me up, right? Just set me up all the way. So basically, this is not coming as a, a mentoring signature program. So I got 20 people after that presentation as a beta group. And we test out. They went with me nine, I think, ten weeks in life uh, coaching and with with the material. So there's a many breakthroughs, but one of the lady, she is a professional pianoist for the especially for the wedding ceremonies. So that's his, that's her business. So her struggling is she say she cannot break through whatever the price she was set to. She always just you know in all, she's afraid that if she uh, increase the price that she will not have clients anymore. And but at the moment the her price is too low, she's burning out and also attracting uh, the not ideal clients. give her a lot of headache. After we understand what exactly she is, what she's serving, I mean, she really undercharged her service. So then we walk through, say, okay, so what do you see who you are? When the, in the context of what kind of professional pianist you see yourself in the wedding scene, in this industry. And then she described, I said, don't think about business, just think about who you are. And she went through that process, described that, I said, I am well known for it because I compose the signature song just for the wedding because my job is to create a memorable experience for them that they will cherish the rest of their life. And then she go on and on and on. She basically then speak, spoke out her true identity, who she is. Mm. So for a month, couldn't book any weddings to in two weeks, she has 16,000 pounds of income. She did not change her service. She just approached differently by expressing what she just did in our section to her new clients. And new clients say, yes, of course, you are the one I've been looking for.
0: So in connecting to her identity, she was then able to connect to the value that she can provide others and then actually accept that, that that value that I'm going to provide that person I want to serve is worthy of somebody paying me for that. Because I think a lot of uh, special people in the, you know, the service industry coaches, they really struggle with that. And my benchmarks already always kind of been, Kelly, that, and it was hard for me as I moved my own prices up, right? These are things I struggled with, but is, you know, what can I provide 10 times the value of what they're going to invest in maybe working with me as a coach, right? So let's say they're going to, you know, when my prices were, you know, a couple hundred a month, you know, could, you know, so what's that, uh, Let's call it two thousand a year. Am I really going to provide them twenty thousand of value? Well, then. Anyway, what I'm saying is, it's so important for us to understand whether we're in sales, we're managing a call center, right? We're running a team, or we're a solopreneur. Like some of the things that we're, you know, we're talking about here now, is the value that we have inherently in the fact that we are Christ's workmanship and we're created perfectly for what he's asked us to do right now in this season. And when we undervalue that, man, it doesn't feel good.
2: No. If we undervalue that, we basically are doing a couple of things. One is we are insulting God. Secondly, we basically become a very bad steward. Mm. Because we are not steward well. our talents, our gifts, our experience, whatever you have been gone to. I'm not saying for people, don't take it to the wrong context. So I'm not saying say, okay, if we just get started, just go ahead to charge whatever high prices. That's what now I'm saying. Yes, you do. We all do have to do our due diligence, you know, all those things. But I think John in point out basically 90% of my clients all have that problem, right? They came to me, they undercharge uh, their, service not because of they don't have the quality or the experience or expertise only because of they felt uh am i worthy enough or is this too greedy or this is you know that kind of thing well and
0: that gets back to this whole thing we've been talking about is identity and Mm -hmm. your whole power of one framework right and the foundation of that is understanding really who you are at your best What is that best person in, so I would just tell me about their listening. If you are just struggling with your value in the world, your value of what to charge, anything like that, you know, find a friend to work with, a mentor, uh, what we call a wingman, hire a coach, work with somebody because trust me, if this is something you're struggling with, and guess what? You're not alone. It's probably every single person listening. And I know Steve and I and Kelly, you already said you struggle with it. But I've also found that working in this area of understanding who I am and what my true identity is, my values, my passions, my gifts, my strengths, and putting all that together, what our friend Lance calls convergence, when I really understand this, myself and also understand it from God's perspective. When those things start to come together, I got to tell you, for me, that was an absolute inflection point in our business, in our influence, in our impact, in the relationships in my life, my marriage, my kids, the level of joy that I felt, the level of peace that I had in my life. I can tie it all back to that hard work that took a a while because some of it was Kelly there was what I found, and this was enlightening to me, there was lies that I had accepted as truths about myself, Mm -hmm. from my own experience, from maybe what people have said to me, from maybe something that I tried, and then I failed. So, that to me was evidence that I'm actually not good at doing that. And that was actually not the case, right? So, there's, I could probably give up many, many examples, but The core here is, man, you know what? You got to go in and weed the garden, and you got to be willing to tear out some of these lies that you've accepted as truths because it's those falsehoods that you've led into your identity that are like these chains that are binding you and holding you back from your full potential. And you know what? It's time to break the chains.
2: Yeah, it is. It's interesting. Uh, I just interviewed um, uh, Clay Rembrandt-Craft. And um, we're talking about, he have a phrase say, each belief system has a consequence. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, it doesn't matter that, think about that when Bible say we need to guard our mind. And that's precisely it. There are so many thoughts come to a thousands of them every single day that if we are not intentionally, guard our mind then and condition our mind align with how we were created then it is very dangerous to you know follow to other different kinds of uh, teaching and underestimate that what we are really capable of uh, think about if we want to pay we easy to pay attention and say oh i want to make sure i'm physically fit so we will pay attention to what we eat right but when it comes to our mind, actually for the more, that if we don't pay attention to what comes to our minds and how we deal with them, and that's where we're going to have all different kinds of trouble. And I think the other thing I feel to say something is, you know, the world is so hungry. It's so hungry for... The leadership is so hungry for the truth. And when I say leadership, I don't necessarily mean a title or you have to work in any kind of organization and call leaders. As a parent, you are a leader, right? If you're a friend, you have a possibility to influence your friends. But what is a true leadership? Leadership is influence. It doesn't matter you like it or not. We, each single one of us, we are creating influence consciously or unconsciously. And the power is way beyond we can imagine. People are watching. As parents, our kids are watching. I did not have to write a book to tell my kids say, you need to work hard. I think they just see you know, my husband and their father myself how we work every single day so i just want to encourage you out there that as parents especially you know be encouraged that sometimes even the young people they don't they feel we are nagging or we we, we don't understand them but they are watching
0: Mm -hmm. so Thank you for sharing that, Kelly. How do people get in touch with you, connect with you, follow up with you? I know you can go. You can go into the pod, the iTunes or any podcast directory, and just type in "Christian CEO" and your podcast is going to come up. And what's your website?
2: It's kellybader dot com uh, forward slash learn.
0: Yep, that's K E L L Y B so B A A D E R dot com
2: forward slash learn. Because if you go there, you can go to, uh, I set up that you can go to watch the Power On Framework where I presented at Chris Docker's um, stage. So I think that's, uh, you know, it will add some value to you for your listeners. They also can download the slides and uh, yeah. Otherwise, everywhere in the social media is a catty bother. You just Google Kelly bother pretty much you will find me
0: yeah you do have a unique name so that does help
2: yeah that's thanks for my swiss husband's german last name <laughs>
0: <laughs> so steve and i are we need to make a, a trip to switzerland and come have beside chocolate i'm guessing you have better coffee than we have here so we need to come over there and and spend some time with you guys there outside of zurich uh, yeah. But, you know, as we wrap up, right, people have been listening in. This has been such a great conversation. What? Any just final thoughts or anything you'd just like to leave with everybody who's been hearing our conversation?
2: Well, I would say just do it. You know, I know it sounds like Nike, right? Uh, just <laughs> not afraid to make decisions, not afraid to uh, utilize your the talents, the gifts that God has given inside of you. You know, when they talk, if you go to uh, the power one, that uh, presentation, I literally use science to prove to you how awesome you are because your physiology pretty much is the prophecy of how God created you to be, to create an impact. So when we say that you are master peace, as the Bible say, is not just a pat on your shoulder, but it is scientifically proved.
0: That's awesome. Well, thank you, Kelly. Everybody connect with Kelly Botter. I had her website, uh, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, she's everywhere. And remember, kellybotter.com forward slash learn. And you guys can pull up and watch the Power One framework and look at the slides. And And I know that's going to be incredibly valuable for you. Thanks, Kelly. Thank you so much for taking the time. I know it's late there because it's early here, but it's uh, the evening there over there in Europe. So thank you so much. It was awesome.
2: No, it is my pleasure to speak to you both.